You're listening to Parkway's podcast. Well, thank you very much, Pastor. It is an honor to be able to be back here and to be able to share with you. I've not been back since uh, you put the addition on and the things that you've changed here to the uh, uh, whole structure that you have in your facility. You've done a wonderful job. We just felt so much at home. We could sense the presence of God when we drove on the parking lot. Did you feel that? I just know that when you come here, you're going to sense the presence of God. And according to statistics, that is why most people come to church. They want to sense and know the presence of God. You've come here because you want to honor uh, God. It's just not out of a nowhere else to go this morning because there's lots of things for you to do. But God honors you as you honor him. And so as you take the time to be able to come, his presence is always here because it inhabits us. See, when we gather together, there's something unique that happens. There's a, a bringing together of the presence of God because of the Holy Spirit that is uh, within each of us. And so as we've gathered, it's great to be able to come and to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. I thank you, Pastor Jay, for this opportunity to be able to come back. I, uh, I know that Pastor Lori asked me to convey to you uh, his greetings as well and blessing and uh, to let you know that he's thinking and praying for you. And, that, uh, and he wants to thank you for praying for him because he's had some challenges with his health over the last little while and he hasn't been able to really come and, and do what he would like to do. And uh, it's hard. He's been driving his wife Debbie nuts because he's been at home and uh, he's, he's well enough to be able to use a phone and stuff like that. He's just not well enough to be able to drive and so on because of the infection that he'd had. But God's been faithful and uh, a miracle took place. Because the doctors had told him that he was going to lose the limb. He was going to lose his leg because of the level of infection that he had. But he said, we'll give you an opportunity. And they waited three days, gave him the antibiotics, and it had improved. And so the doctor said, well, let's hold on and keep, you, you keep doing what you're doing. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. And so, sure enough, so God's been faithful. And so we're thankful to God for that. Because we do serve a miracle-working God. And so it's great to be here with friends Uh, Trudy and John, uh, we've known them for a long time, and their son Jeff, who was playing the drums this morning, uh, uh, good friends with my son at one point when we were all in in church together. Chris and Pam, uh, we've worked together, and so it's good to see you as well here this morning. Well, God's faithful to us, and I just wanted to be able to, uh, as I was coming this morning, and uh, Pastor had said that your focus over the next little while was going to be on how to be able to uh, breakthrough into the presence of God. I just felt as I was praying that the Lord had given me a a message that I'd shared because I had the same things. I was praying and asking God, "What, what is it that you would have me to do? What brings the breakthrough? And as I was looking through the word, there was a some some things that jumped out to me. And it was found in 2 Samuel, it's chapter 5. And as I began to read that, the Lord spoke to my heart about that. Uh, my PowerPoint is starting in just a minute, but this is talking about the Lord of the breakthroughs. So in 2 Samuel chapter 5, I'm beginning to verse, read at verse 17. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I've been using that over the last little while. And it says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming. So he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephium. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. 
And so David went to Baal-perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed, and he burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named the place Baal-perazim, which means the Lord who bursts through. And if you have the uh, New Living Translation, it may say that he is the Lord of the breakthroughs. He breaks through into uh, victory. And the Philistines had abandoned their idols there, so David and his men confiscated them. As I was reading that portion of Scripture, I realized that that David had been confronted. And it's a similar account that has taken place in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, where it it relays the same uh, event that had taken place. There were lessons then for me to learn, and I thought I'd share those lessons with you this morning, and that we will take time later on to be able to apply those lessons into our lives and to be able to trust that God would be able to uh, see, us, see us through, and especially for the future of this place. As you've taken steps forward, I knew at the time when I had come that you were just at the, not at the end, but at the beginning, and that there would be other things that were going to come, because ultimately, God wants you to win Karuna for Him. He wants everybody in Karuna to be in church, not just to be able to be in church because they say they are in church, but to be in church because there's been a life change. They want to experience the presence of God. I want them to go up and down the streets of Karuna just like they would in Burlington and to experience the presence of God because there would be hearts that would be changed. When you read the great awakenings that took place in the Americas, down in New York and so on, people would be on the streets kneeling and giving their hearts to Jesus because they sensed the presence of God. Presence of God just isn't for here. The presence of God is for your entire community. It's to go up the river to Sarney and down the river to Wapul and uh, to uh, uh, Wallaceburg and to be able to touch the entire area with the message of Jesus Christ. And so you're a part of that. And I'm just trusting God will give you that anointing to be able to see it happen and that he would give you the breakthrough that needs to take place. See, I remember as a child... Uh, praying for a breakthrough in my life, praying for a breakthrough of healing, for the restoration of my family. See, my, my dad, when I was about 10, separated from my mom. And in our family, and we, I'm third generation Pentecostal, that was an unusual thing to have happen. It just, divorced just wasn't, there wasn't that many that were divorced in, within Pentecostal churches, let alone, and they were the only ones in my family. And my dad separated, and they eventually got divorced. And we would pray because he had sort of veered away from following after Jesus. As a matter of fact, his heart was hardened to the things of God, even though he was a second generation. He had seen my grandfather, his dad, be filled with the Holy Spirit. They were Mennonites who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what to do with them, so they ended up being in house meetings. And then eventually they gathered, there was enough of them together that they they had to find a place to be able to to meet. And so churches formed that. And so they were part of that movement. He saw it for himself. He wasn't just uh, something he heard about. And that's the concern I have for the children that have left and gone down to be in the children's church, is that they need to experience it for themselves. They can't live on what I experienced. They cannot live on what you've experienced. They've got to experience that for themselves to be able to really see the breakthrough that God has intended for them. And so I'm trusting and praying that as my children and their children, I have grandchildren. I'm a little stiff this morning because I was water sliding with my grandchildren yesterday. And they always, they went up and down a whole lot more times than I ever wanted to. But going up those stairs all the way to the top and then shooting all the way down, my shoulders are kind of sore now this morning. But anyway, 
I'll be okay. But the truth is, is that with grandchildren, you know, it's like when Bill was here, he had said it would die, it would, he would die for his kids in a minute, but it would only take seconds for his grandchildren. Well, that's true. There's some truth in all of that. I, I, my, my little uh, granddaughter, Ainsley, she sort of has me wrapped around her finger, and so she just says, Papa, and that's it. Away we go. We, we're, we're sliding or we're doing something that uh, takes us to the other end. But the truth is, is we prayed for my dad. We prayed for his salvation, but it just didn't seem to come. And it got to a point when I was in my late teens that my mom and dad eventually divorced, but still my dad had... But then as I got older, my dad, even though the family was separated, he did come back to God. It didn't restore our relationship as, as a family. In other words, my mom and dad didn't get back together again. And I don't understand how all of that works. But all I know is, is that we'll be in heaven together. We'll work it out then, however that's going to be. But the truth is that God loves us all and he has a plan and a purpose. And that whether you're in that kind of a situation, God is going to bring us all together into his presence under him. And everything else will seem, it doesn't matter anymore. It really doesn't. It won't, because we'll be in a different place doing different things. And so as I, and I was praying for a move of God, but it just didn't seem to come. I remember as a child uh, on the streets, I grew up in Scarborough, and so we had, all had paved streets in the neighborhood where I was, and they uh, always had a curb. And always in the, in the springtime, usually in March, we'd always have where the melting would begin. And it was always our responsibility to hive off big chunks of the snow and the ice and to be able to build dams so that it would go all the way across the, uh, the, the road. But it was interesting. You get to a certain place that all of a sudden a little bit of the water would start to trickle through. And then as it gave way, it was like a breakthrough. And I remember that breakthrough. It rushed through just sort of like this little guy here. I don't know whether you can see it clearly or not, but there's going to be a breakthrough there as he dumps that all over his grandfather. <laughs> that isn't my grandchildren, by the way. That was just a pitch. But it's the same idea that there was a breakthrough just like the water rushing forth. That's what David described it. He couldn't describe it as anything else. He said it just happened. It was a breakthrough because technically they should not have been able to defeat the Philistines, yet God intervened and he was able to bring the breakthrough. See, we need a breakthrough in our land. We need a breakthrough of God's peace. We need a healing. We need a salvation. A breakthrough as in Isaiah 28 and 21 that talks about this. It says, for the Lord will rise up as at Mount Perizim. He will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon. Remember in Gibeon is when the sun stood still. It was a time when God listened to a man's prayer that the sun would stop. God wants to honor that for us as well. He wants us to be able to take the same authority because God will help us. Because it says that he may do his work. His awesome work and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. And so that's what David experienced, the unusual act of what God can do. See, because in our today's society, we are in a downward spiral. There is physical violence that we see. We read about it. We see it in, in many parts of the world where it's going on. We see that same-sex marriage has become a legitimate family. We see that more divorce, abortion, abuse, all those things seem to be going on. But they, statistically, they say it's the same outside as it is inside the church. And I'm praying, God, we need a breakthrough. Begin it in us. Because a breakthrough will never happen in Corona unless it happens in you first. Yes, 
or in me. It, Burlington's never going to get saved unless there's a breakthrough in Ken Raymer first. And I'm praying, God, bring the breakthrough. There is something that I need to be able to see what you can do. You see, David had experienced something like this before with the Amalekites. And if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 30, you can see there as he was facing something that was similar to this. In 2 Samuel, he was facing the Philistines. Here he is with the Amalekites. Beginning at verse 1 of chapter 30, it says, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made, had, had made a raid into the Negev and the Ziglag. They had crushed the Ziglag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. Here David was. He'd come back from being away and in a battle, and here he is, as he comes back into his city, he finds that the Amalekites had come and that the children were taken captive and that the wives were gone. Well, the truth is, in our society, that is what is happening. Yes. Our children are being carried off. I don't know whether our wives to the same extent, but in, in, in terms of this correlation, the things that were precious to them, the things that are precious to us are being taken captive into a sick and perverse society. And so we need a breakthrough to be able to get rid of all of that. I am not sure what the next five to ten years will be like in Canada or here in Corona, but Lord, we need a breakthrough in order to be able to see your work, your unusual act to be done here just like it was for the David with the Amalekites. You see, so I, as I looked at this, I began to pray and say, well, well, what brings that release? Or what releases the breakthrough then to be able to come? That is releasing of God to do his act, his unusual acts. You see, I've prayed and the sun has never stood still. And I've, I've had times I would pray that the sun would be out more but it's never happened because there are things that just happen in this world. God has set an order around it, and it's always going to happen. But as I was looking at this, as I was thinking about this, there was some things that, that took place that I realized David did. The first thing he did every time he faced this challenge was he prayed. He prayed. In 2 Samuel 5 and 19, it says, And David inquired of the Lord. And in verse 23, it says, and David inquired of the Lord. You see, in 1 Samuel 34 and 8, it goes on and it says, when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Anomen and Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Kamral, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So uh, Abathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders, and will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. You see, when you pray to God, he does answer. You see, Ziglag was burned, his family was gone, the children were captured, and David and, his, and the people, they wept until they could, had no more power to weep. You see, a breakthrough comes after a breaking. Yes. And so we need to be broken. There are things that we set up as strengths and power, and, and things that we feel that we can do on our own power and strength, 
But the truth is, is that there needs to be a breaking in us because I am a haughty and a proud person. But I need to be broken by the power of God. You see, because the through part always follows a breaking. Our lives need to be broken. And as we begin to pray, God is going to lead us through to victory. I have a cousin that I'm fairly close to. His name is Ron. And about a year ago, Ron, he experienced some, some issues where he would be typing on the computer and he'd look at what he had typed and it would make absolutely no sense. And so he realized that as he began to speak that he was having difficulty and, and he found out that, uh, that he had a rare form of cancer. It was a cancer of the blood vessels in his brain that was creating all kinds of, of seizures and in particular... Uh, uh, not heart attacks, what do they call that? Strokes. And so he was having these mini strokes in his brain, so part of the brain was actually shut off so that it wasn't functioning it properly any longer. And so he wasn't able to talk, and it got worse and worse and worse. And so we went and we prayed for him. We were praying for him, and this one time we were there, we began, and we, you know how sometimes you get to a place where you're praying in English and it doesn't make sense any longer? There's only so many times you can say it. And so then you begin to pray in the Spirit because the Spirit is giving you this so that you can pray when you don't know what to pray. And so as we began to pray, we prayed for maybe 15 or 20 minutes. He hadn't been able to speak. He'd been somewhat into a, a state where he, the words just weren't able to come out. But the one thing that he did know, he said, pray through. Pray through. That's all that he could say to us. Pray through. And so we continued to pray. We didn't see anything happen. It was a matter of fact, they had taken him and they put him into the palliative care because they felt that his life was going to die. Because usually they don't get a diagnosis of this cancer until they, until they do it on the autopsy. And so they've been able to diagnose this soon enough. And he went through the chemo and the chemo was really hard on him. But and so they put him into palliative care because they thought that he was going to pass away. He couldn't eat anymore. His throat was constricted. There were things that were keeping him from being able to do uh, the stuff. He couldn't drink properly, so he was being uh, fed intravenously, and they were decrease, decreasing that. And then one day, one of the orderlies, this was about two weeks later, accidentally came and put a food tray on his table, and he ate it. He didn't know. The food was there, and he just downed it. They said, you shouldn't be able to eat this. Brought him food for the next meal. He ate all of that as well, and slowly, by slowly, he's been able to recover some of the functioning, and he was able to get up and begin to walk because his one side was all paralyzed. He can't put all the sentences together, but he can talk now so that you can carry on a conversation with him. You see, God... When you pray through, yes. God answers the prayer. Now, sometimes it doesn't answer it the way we think it should be answered. I've learned that one. Because there are things, times that I've prayed for people and they've passed away. And I'm saying, God, now, of course, if they're believers, I wouldn't want them back anyway because they're having a great time in glory. But you know how it is? There's a sense of loss when someone has passed away and you're just praying that God would, would, would just heal and raise them up. I found, you see, God answers the prayer in four ways. First of all, he can say yes. 
And so my, my brother, or my cousin uh, Ron, he began to recover. Sometimes it'll be no. So the, the people I've prayed for, they didn't heal the way I had been praying, which is okay. Sometimes he says, wait. It may be a yes or it may be a no. And I found the fourth time, the fourth one is that you got to be kidding. <laughs> God answered, you're praying for that? Oh, yeah, Lord, I, I want to win the lottery. Well, <laughs> Good luck. That's the, he's not going he's, he's to answer those kinds of prayers, folks. You can be praying for, for things like that, but God doesn't answer prayers of those kind. But he answers the prayers that are going to have a kingdom impact. And they are going to bring about... See, all were important in the, ba- in, in the battle of, of, that David was experiencing. You see, even as he, his, his men, they stood in that gap of intercession for the people in the situation. David had learned his lesson at Ziglag so that he would be victorious then at Mount Perizim. Because as you read on, you can see that uh, uh, David, as he chased after and told him, yes, to go. And so David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook Bezer. But 200 of the men who were too exhausted to cross the brook, so David continued the pursuit with 400. And along the way, they found an Egyptian man and in a field and brought him to David. They gave him some, food, uh, some bread and eat and water to drink, and they also gave him part of a fig Uh, cake and two clusters of raisins for he hadn't had anything to eat or drink for three days and nights before long his strength returned to whom do you belong and where do you come from david asked i'm an egyptian a slave of the amalekites he replied my master abandoned me three days ago because i was sick we were on our way back from raiding the kareths in the negev the territory of judah in the land of caleb and we had just burned ziglag will you lead me to this band of raiders david asked and so as it goes on and led them down, and David returned to the brook after he had won. This is verse 21. And met with the 200 men who were left behind because they were too exhausted to go with him. And they went out to meet David and his men, and David greeted them joyfully. Yet his men were uh, contrary to them. But David said, no, no, those 200 set out with us. They should share it. All of us participate in the battle. God has a place for all of us. The gap is the space between where we are now and where God wants us to be. And this relates to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, and to our church. You see, God is searching for those who will intercede. He's looking for people who will pray. Sounds simple, doesn't it? You'd be surprised in how many churches, how difficult it is to get people to pray. People will pray if it's for them particularly, but just to come together because there is something about coming together. So when you're here tonight and over this next few days, as you gather together to pray, you need to know that as you intercede, and intercession isn't just a matter of saying, God, 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 help, help, help. It's God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? What are you praying, O Lord? You see, we need to inquire of the Lord like David. Ask for the revelation of the battle and then to intercede like Elijah. You see, Elijah, he prayed for it to rain. And then when he, saw, and then when he didn't see that it was coming, he just interceded. He went back, knelt down, and he just began to intercede before God. Lord, you know my prayer. Answer my prayer, Lord. May you be glorified. Hallelujah. Thank you that it's coming. And then when he saw the, the cloud the size of a man's hand, he said, you better get going. The rain's coming. See, that's faith. Yes. It's like the little girl who shows up 
for a, a prayer meeting that the pastors had called. This was out west, and they were having a dry spell, and, and they didn't know what to, what, what to make of all of it. And, and so they thought, well, when things get tough, you pray, right? And so it had been almost a drought for a long period of time. And as the pastor was gathering, all the churches had actually gathered together. They were meeting in this one particular congregation. And as the pastor was greeting people, he didn't notice this little girl who came in. And as he stood up to speak, he saw the little girl sitting on the front pew, smiling for all she was worth. And as she looked up at him, she nodded at him, and she points underneath her chair. And what was under there? A red umbrella. See, she had come to pray, expecting that God was going to answer prayer. Your guys are going to need an umbrella when you go home tonight after coming here. She was the only one that brought an umbrella. You see, it requires faith on our part to realize that when we're asking God, we are doing so under His anointing, with His direction, with His revelation to be able to bring it through. That was my first point. How am I doing for time? I guess I'm okay. It's nice that we start at 10, right? So we can still, I can speak for a long time, we can still beat the... uh, the Baptist to 12 o'clock. <laughs> Under the second thing is that we need obedience to God. Obedience was important. You see, in, in, in 1 Samuel 30, it said David pursued after the Amalekites. When we read in 2 Samuel chapter 5, it, it, it got to the point where David had defeated the Philistines and they'd left all their idols. But as you read a little later on in in chapter 5, it happened again. And this time, God gave him a different direction. He said, don't go pursue up after them. Go around them. Oh, man, when I read that, I realized that sometimes I get on a certain track and I think this is the right track to go. I need to understand and remember that I need to be asking God, what is his plan for that particular time? If I'm not asking for his plan, I'm operating on my own plan. And you need to know that Ken Dramer's plan is always faulty. Because there's going to be a portion of me that has either personal agendas or other things that are going on in my heart. And I just need to make sure that I'm hearing clearly from God. Because he didn't, go, he didn't make Moses' mistake. You see, Moses got so frustrated at the people that when they were asking for water, he struck the rock when he shouldn't have. Because he had struck it before. Well, surely God would do it the same way. No, God never does it the same way. And that's interesting. As I've had a chance as the secretary-treasurer to be around in the different churches, God does church differently in so many different settings. And it doesn't matter what culture I'm in. I mean, it's not just a cultural thing. It's, it's, a, it's just different the way that, that God does things all across our district. When I was growing up as a kid, if you went to one Pentecostal church and you went to another, they were singing the same choruses, singing the same hymns, and, and doing it pretty much the same all the way across. But it's not that way any longer, and I'm glad it's not. Because you're going to reach people that in the, the, the folks that are in, in, say, downtown Toronto are never going to be able to reach. And they will do the same because of the, the way that God has structured them. You always need to inquire of God what he has for you here in Corona. Yeah, it's, it's going to be different. And I know that God will show you what that is. And as you're faithful with him. And so that we always need to be sure that, that we don't assume it. You see, because the key for our breakthrough 
And, and let me read Deuteronomy 30, verse 16, because this is an important verse as well. It says, For I command you today the love of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, or, and laws, and then you will live and increase. All right, so this is a command that he was giving to the children of Israel, but because we've been adopted into the family, this is also the command that is coming to us for us to live and to walk in his ways and to keep his commands. You see, the key to the breakthrough always lies in the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. The greater the authority, I believe the greater the breakthrough. And so we ask God for that authority. You see, in the military, submission and obedience are keys to increasing in rank. You see, a sergeant, he barks the orders, but a general brigadier, he whispers. And it's done. There's a greater authority, and in God's plan, there is a greater authority that we, that we gain because when we are obedient with a little in order to be entrusted with a lot. So that when you've been obedient to God here in Corona, he is able to increase you and entrust you with more. And as you continue to follow in obedience after him, and as we follow in obedience after him, and so one thing that I always do is, is if I'm looking and wanting God to answer prayers, I check my own spirit, check my own heart, and say, Lord, have I been obedient in all the things that you've shown me and asked me to do? Mm-hmm. Now, sure, I pray. Sure, I read the Word of God. And there's other things that I do, but I don't want to just be doing them because they're just things that I need to do. No, no, I need to do them because I want to be obedient to God. I want to grow in his word. I want to begin to understand it. Now, Pastor, you mentioned about tithing this morning. Being the secretary treasurer, he didn't talk about it, but I thought I would. Because finance is a key to obedience for the breakthrough. See, the world system is buying and selling. God's system is giving and receiving. You see, God wants to bless you. And so that's why in Malachi, when you read about the tithes, about the open windows, the releasing the blessing, the rebuking the devourer, and you're able to bear fruit, it's all about the blessing that he wants to be able to bring through you. And it's just simply a matter of being obedient to what the Word of God says. Now, sometimes our mind gets us all confused because I don't have enough. Well, it has nothing to do with the amount. It has everything to do with the heart and the intention. You see, farmers sow from sacks, but they reap in trucks. We want to be able to do the same thing. If you don't sow, you're not going to be able to reap. You see, poverty actually is the fear of not having enough. It's the fear of lacking. People don't give for they fear they won't have enough for what they need or want. But that's not true. When we give, then we will receive back because God is always faithful to his word. And so as we follow that, God... And see, the, the, the difficulty is that there can sometimes be a withholding spirit which restricts the financial blessing then for the church. Because statistically, it says that only 20% of the people tithe. And that would be probably in an evangelical church. Statistically, and in, in just generally within the church, it's much less than that. I'm saying, God, help us. As a secretary treasurer, I realize if I'm obedient... And so I make sure that we send our tithe to our national office as a district. Why? Because Not because I believe that our general officers need our money. Because it's not my money. It all belongs to God. He just gives me an opportunity to return a portion of it to him. And I return it to him when I give it to them. That was the plan. 
When you do that to this church, you are following the principle in the same way. When your church sends it to us, you're following the principle in the same way. And then our national office, they've been starting to, to do the same thing because they had never thought it all the way through because we want God's blessing because we are obedient to him. You see, we're not giving to get, but we're investing for abundance. People say the church wants our money. Everybody wants your money. We want your hearts. Because where your money is, is where your heart is, right? And so God wants to use us. Truth is, everybody, or that faith comes then by hearing the word, but the miracles come by doing the word of God. And so we want to see Satan's power feeds on man's disobedience. We pray for needs, but we don't tithe. I say, Lord, help us. It's interesting. I was in a church, well, this would be uh, several months ago, and it was a, actually a Korean church. And if you know the Korean fellowships, they're very, very big on prayer. 5.30 every morning, they're all there to pray. The pastor has to be there seven days a week, 5.30 in the morning to lead a prayer service. They all come to pray. And so I'm in this meeting, and they are fighting like cats and dogs. Like, I mean, I'm in this meeting together, and there's ones like this, and they're saying things that are derogatory to one another. And some of it was in Korean, so I knew it was even worse than the English words that they were using, right? And I could tell by their facial expressions. And they get to a certain time, oh, we got to pray. And they got up, and they're just going, I said, hold on a second, folks. You need to understand, until you get your relationship right, you can never have a right relationship with God. Prayer is not just about doing something so that you can be obedient and, and just... No, no, there, there's a certain protocol that we have in prayer that if you have ought against your brother, you need to make it right. Now, it may not be that you can be reconciled together, but you make it right between you and God so that your prayers are unhindered. And for men, it says that in the Word of God, that if you want treat your wife well, then God will hear your prayers. And if you don't, then he's not. And so you can pray all you want, but you're not going to break through. In obedience, God's going to help us to be able to break through into the full release of what he has. Because God, and when we are obedient, is truly blessed. He, we bless him when we are obedient to him. Now, we have to be obedient. And I've had some, well, there's so many restrictions. It's not restrictions. It's to be able to help you to be able to live an abundant life. That's really what it is. It's not a matter of do's and don'ts. Sure, there's always do's and don'ts in life. Because if you walk on the road and you don't look both ways, you could get hit by a car. Yes. That's definitely a don't. Yeah. <laughs> and if you learn that by experience, then maybe you won't do it again, right? <laughs> But the trouble is, it's a hard lesson to learn. There's a consequence for it, isn't there? And so God wants us to avoid the consequence. He wants the consequence to be on the blessing side. He doesn't want it to be on the cursing side. Sometimes young people get it confused. The third thing that I thought was important as I read this, and this goes on into uh, 2 Samuel chapter uh, uh, 6, a little later on, down in, in uh, verse 5. This is what happened. 
And it says, uh, this is where here, and David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments. They had lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. And when they arrived at the threshing floor, uh, and, and it goes on to talk about something that had taken place that brought a fear into, the, into David, actually. But the truth is that they were into praise and glorifying God and thanking Him for what He had done. You see, in those previous chapters where God had intervened for them, we need to speak blessing and praise and be released for a breakthrough. David and the whole house of Israel celebrated and praised and worshipped. So when we came together this morning, it was praise and worship unto our God. We could sense the presence of God as we were being led and as we participated together because, you see, it unites our hearts. That's the one thing about music. It brings us together. It's just not so we have a song service, we have something to sing about, which we do, but it's also to unite our hearts together around something. Because when only I am speaking, your mind can be a million miles away. And I'm sure for some of you it is. There's things that are going on. But when we are singing together, when you're focusing on the Lord, there is a unity that comes, and it's out of the unity that breakthrough comes. When our hearts are brought together. So that's why it's important. I'm glad you said that, Pastor, that you're going to have a time of praise and worship tonight. Because as you praise and worship, it brings our hearts into unity so that when we pray, we're in oneness. Oneness is an important piece of what needs to happen. The fourth thing that I realized is that there was a perseverance that David had. You see, don't let regrets replace your dreams. You see, David defeated the Philistines, but he persevered to strike that Philistine army. David knew he had the mind of God for the victory, but he needed to press on for it. You see, when those 200 men got tired, he could have said, oh, well, let's all rest, guys. No, he said, come on, guys. He had 400 that were still with him because he knew he had to get through and to complete the process of what they were doing. You see, they were weary, but David pressed on because of the urgency of the battle. What was at stake was too valuable to leave for the rest. You see, nobody but Jesus is going to have my grandchildren. I am praying and interceding interceding on their behalf. And so is my wife, Jane, who's with me this morning. Glad that she travels with me. But nobody is going to have our kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids and my great-great-grandkids. I am praying that God's word that says it goes on into the successive generations, that blessing is not to be stopped, that each generation is to be more blessed than the generation before. And so I tried to impart that into my children. You know what's exciting? Is that when you see I've got two boys, they're doing a better job than I ever did. I say, thank you, Jesus. I just put some basics into their life. They love their wives. They love their kids. They're raising them well. They're bringing them to, to church. They, they're showing them the way of grace and favor and love and to be able to bring salvation into their family. And I just say, thank you, Jesus, that they're doing it better than I did. Because that was what God's plan. He, his plan was that every successive generation would be more blessed than the one before. Yet you can see in some generational of families where the enemy has robbed, steal, killed, and destroyed, where it gets successively poorer. That was never God's plan. God wants to bless each family. And as we put those things right, we just need to know that when you split an axe, what was the most important chop? They were all important. 
When you hit that log the first time, there's a little bit of a crack that happens. When you hit it the second time, there's a little bit more of a crack. When you hit it the third time, and when you finally split it, you may not have got it on the first, but the first one was important to be able to have the second one, which was to have the third one, which is to have the fourth one. So don't give up. Don't become weary in doing this. Persevere. Don't let it hold you back. You see, our authority in Christ outranks our ability. We'll never have enough ability, but in Christ we have that authority. You see, there's natural laws like gravity, there's man-made laws like speeding that uh, we have to be careful about, or else the OPP were out in huge numbers yesterday. We saw a lot of cars. And that, but secondly, is that, or thirdly, I should say, is that God's spiritual laws, laws like sowing and reaping, blessing and cursing, those laws are just as active as any of the others that I've just talked about. Gravity, you see all the time, but I need, you need to know that when you sow, you're going to reap what you sow. If you sow in love, you will reap in love. Yeah. You know, the movie like Pay It Forward, it's all based on that. And it's true, it happens. And it happens whether you're a believer or you're a non-believer. But the truth is, as a believer you can see that the fruit will last forever. I want to go on. The fifth thing is he listened to God. Attentive listening is important. You see, as David listened to God, we must listen in silence, allow our spirit to be open then to the voice of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 28, 23 through 29, I just want to read that to you. It says, listen to me, listen and pay close attention. Does a farmer always plow and never sow? Is he forever cultivating the soil and never planting? Does he not find, finally plant his seeds, black cumin, cumin, wheat, barley, and emmer wheat, each in its proper way and each in its proper place? The farmer knows just what to do, for God has given him understanding. A heavy sledge is never used to thresh black cumin, rather it is beaten with a light stick. A threshing wheel is never rolled on cumin. Instead, it is beaten lightly with a flail. Grain for bread is easily crushed, so he doesn't keep on pounding it. He threshes it under the wheels of a cart, but he doesn't pulverize it. The Lord of heaven's armies is a wonderful teacher, and it gives the farmer great wisdom. I believe that we have the pattern of progression. You can see it in that word. That as we are obedient to God, as we listen to what he does, he wants to instruct us in how to be able to go about this. He wants to instruct you as the leadership and as a congregation here about how to be able to influence your community and how to be able to bring about the blessing God has for it. And my final point is that there was a heartened leadership. Leadership is always important. It's amazing for me when I go around from churches... The, the, the variation in churches usually is dependent upon the leadership. And so I thank God for the leadership that you have in this congregation. God is faithful. Because sometimes, as you can see, there are things that can happen, such as in 2 Samuel 4 and 1, it says, When Ishbosheth, son of Saul, heard that Abner had died in, Hebrew, in Hebron, he lost courage and all Israel became alarmed. See, he lost courage, but all Israel became alarmed. It's important to have heart and leadership. In 1 Samuel 30 and 6, I was reading it. It said that David was greatly distressed because his men were talking of stoning him. 
Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Sometimes we, uh, and, and I'm talking about myself in this as well, we need to always make sure that we pray for those who are leaders over us that God will help them to make the right decisions. And it doesn't matter whether it's your pastoral leader, whether it's your community leader, whether it's your township leader, whether it's this, uh, our, our prime minister, we need to pray for them because that leadership is important to us. I believe sometimes these Israelites strike me a little bit like they were Canadian because sometimes we can be a little whiny about things that go on. <laughs> We don't get our own way. Man, if there's food shortage in, in Canada, there would be a, a riots everywhere. You know, like you see it in Africa, and they seem to be having those, those refugee camps where people are starving, yet they'll sit down and line up to actually get food. I don't think that would happen in Canada. We would, they, we would storm everybody and, and try to take it all. And often we can blame leadership for something that happens to us, but leadership may become discouraged or perhaps even react like Moses did in the adversity. I'm sure with that whining that was going on, oh, we're thirsty, we're thirsty. He became frustrated with them, and he made a mistake. Because he made a mistake, he didn't get to go into the land that God had promised the children. And so we need to pray for them that God would help them. Because here's the result. The results of the breakthrough from 2 Samuel 5 and 21. It says the idols were abandoned, and the Lord was victorious. The Lord was victorious. David wasn't victorious. The Lord they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. We need this for Parkway Pentecostal Church and for Corona. We need to realize that God is going to bring a breakthrough, and we're going to trust God in this. Here's how we begin. We say, first of all, Lord, speak to me. What do I need to do? Is there unconfessed sin in my life? Is there unforgiveness? Is there disobedience? And if there is, then the Lord is going to help you. As we confess that to him, it's amazing what God will do. When we are open and honest with him, he has such a breakthrough that comes because we do these things. As we confess it, as we repent from it, as we cancel its effect and scheme. You see, because there's always consequence to sin unless we take the authority that we have to be able to cancel the effect and the scheme, because the scheme is something that goes on from generation to generation. You can see it through families. We want to cancel schemes that the enemy keeps going. And then we need to praise God for the breakthrough, just like David did. Let's pray together. Glory to God. Father in heaven, we just acknowledge you, that you're the Lord of this place, the Lord of this earth, the Lord of the heavens. Nothing was created apart from you, except that you spoke into being. And so God, we just speak, we just speak over this congregation strength and breakthrough. Father, not for the sake of showing that we can have a, just a glorious time. <laughs> Lord, we've had enough glorious times. Now we need miracle times. Yes. 
Lord, my heart is so grieved when I look at the communities that we're from, when I look at the things that are in the news, when I realize what's going on around the world, and I say, Lord, we need help. Father, and I don't know whether you can just do it here, but Lord, it is like that ax. Can we be the first cut into the log? Lord, help us, oh God, to be able to, to uh, in the spirit realm, to realize that the victory is, is not won by flesh and blood. It's only won in the spirit, and that, Lord, we would walk in the spirit according to your plan and purpose for us. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for this church and for its leadership, and we're praying for breakthrough for them. As they wait on you over these next few days, may it be, as the pastor has testified, that people come to this place, they are healed. Body, soul, spirit, relationships. Lives are changed. Minds are healed. Lord, that you are glorified. And so that, Lord, it's not just for a time. Like, it would change their lives completely forever. We ask this in your precious name. Thanks for listening to our message. If you'd like to learn more about Parkway Church, you can visit us online at parkway-church.com.